0: Hello, and welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I hope everyone is doing amazing and having such a good week. Thank you so much for tuning in. So as you know, I love to talk about skin and educate about everything that goes on in the Treatment Room. But at the same time, I think we're always hearing this message that, you know, estheticians don't learn enough in school. We don't learn about the business side of aesthetics. And I think that is so hugely important. And one major aspect of business and being an esthetician these days is social media. And our reality is that you must have a social media presence to really make it in in this day and age. And that's not to say you have to have a huge audience. Social media is everything. I actually think the opposite is true. And there are many, many successful estheticians who don't have a, a huge following. At the same time, I think social media is an incredible tool. And even Thinking about myself as an example, had I not harnessed social media, really put myself out there and started using multiple platforms online, I wouldn't. I just really wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the client base I have. I wouldn't have been able to articulate my messaging. I wouldn't have been able to share a lot of the education that I love sharing and I wouldn't have had a lot of the opportunities I have had to date. So I think social media, it has its pros and cons, but I think if we can use it strategically as professionals, it can really go a long way in your career. So today I want to bring in an expert on social media within aesthetics. You might know her as Skin by Ashley on Instagram and TikTok, aka Ashley Tapia. She has amassed a significant following. She's up to almost 400,000 followers on TikTok. So she really knows what she's doing. She's an esthetician, she's a marketing coach, and she's the author of her very own social media guide, the social media playbook. We talk all about strategy when it comes to Instagram and TikTok, as well as how to grow your brand, build a profitable business, and grow your clientele. I think you guys are really going to love this episode. Make sure you check out Ashley's page. I think it's a great reference point for a lot of the examples that she talks about today. So go check her out, Skin by Ashley. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Treatment Room podcast. I'm here today with my friend, Ashley Tapia, licensed esthetician and marketing expert. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley, and thanks for joining me on this holiday.
1: Hi, everybody. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I I think I've told you this over the DM before, but uh, you were the first esthetician that I ever followed, like ever. What? Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, like almost four years ago now when I decided to be an esthetician, I remember oh. opening up YouTube and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to find estheticians to follow. I want to know what it's like in the day in the life of an esthetician and what it's all about. And you were one of, I think, like three or four girls that were doing any kind of esthetician content at the time. So I've been following you for like almost four years now. So this is kind of a full, circuit, full circle moment for me to be on this podcast. So <laughs> I'm so excited.
0: You're so excited. I do remember you telling me that now. But now it's like clicking and that's so sweet and awesome and i have followed you so closely as well so i think when you said that i was like what i feel the same
1: <laughs> yeah i'm so excited to be here yay okay and you're from indiana indiana whereabouts um so i grew up in logansport it's where i um grew up it's where I went to high school and everything it's a very 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 small town um and almost three years ago now well almost four years when I when I went to esthetician school I went here in Lafayette which is where I'm living at now and a year after well about like six months after I started esthetician school we moved here like in the thick of the pandemic I think I literally moved like March 13th which is like the day that everything shut down um so I moved here to Lafayette it's a little bit of a bigger city um this is where I went to a station school it's where I own my business now so I've been here for about three years still a smaller city um it's about an hour um north of Indianapolis but yeah this is where I'm at now it's where I have my business it's where I live it's where my friends are so this is this is my corner now I'm in a, a college town um so Purdue University is in West Lafayette I'm in Lafayette so um they're right next to each other so of huge chunk of my clientele is college students um purdue is a pretty large school so a lot of my clients go to purdue or come from purdue Um, i also have a lot of clients who come into state i have i mean i have clients from all over from new jersey from everywhere who come here for school and then they come to me during the school year and then they have like their last tag back at home um, but the aesthetics market is pretty large here, um, from what I've seen, not just from college students, but there's also um, a good group of wealthier people who have money to to spend on you know the luxury that is aesthetics. So um, yeah, the market is is pretty good, which is awesome, obviously, when you're trying to build your aesthetics business. so um, so yeah, it's been great. And can you
0: share a little bit, Ashley, about what you do in the treatment room? What do you specialize in? And then tell us a little bit about what you do with marketing.
1: Sure. So I started off with my aesthetics journey, just doing a little bit of everything, like most people do. Um, I worked for someone else for six months before I went out on my own and started my own business. So. When I was working for someone else, she had me do a little bit of everything. So I was waxing, I was doing facials, lash lifts, lash extensions, brow illuminations, the whole shebang. So I got my my hands on, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, but once I went out on my own, I decided to specialize in skin and lashes. So um and that's what I've stuck with for the past three years. So I focus mainly on results driven skincare. Um I love 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 treating acne um I do a little bit of everything but acne is my main thing especially because I grew up having acne so I get it um and so that's something that I love helping my clients with is in their acne journey and then I also specialize in lash extensions so I do a little bit of both it really depends kind of on the seasons honestly summer I tend to be a little bit more busy with Lash extensions, people love getting them for vacations, and you know they just don't want to wear mascara during the summer. So it really just um, ebbs and flows with those. But those are my main two um, specialties, and I just I love both of them. With marketing, I focus mainly on social media marketing and branding with all of my marketing students. So I coach them, um, obviously depending on their business needs. Uh, a lot of my students, uh, it really just have I have such a broad bar- variety of students that I work with. Um, some do mainly like merchandise and they sell like um clothing and aesthetics related clothing and stuff like that. And I have other students who do e commerce and I have students who are hairstylists and I have students who focus on aesthetics and waxing and lashes. So I have a little bit of everything and I kind of work with a pretty broad um uh, spectrum when it comes to um, my students and their businesses. But what I mainly focus on helping them is with their social media and helping them grow on social media and establish a strong social media strategy in order to build their clientele and have a profitable business and um, how to monetize their social media. And another thing that I mainly focus with my students is branding. So branding their business and then how to implement that their social media strategy as well in order to grow their business so it's kind of what I focus on with with marketing I feel like that's so many things you
0: must work a lot (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot to run a business then be in the treatment room too and then have like kind of a separate business of coaching people And then all the guides and things you do, which I want to get into everything individually as well. But I also wanted to ask you, what drew you to aesthetics
1: in the first place? Sure. So this is a story that I love telling, but um, growing up, my mom, I'm Latina. So my mom is Latina and Latinas are very, we're very extra. Like we love getting glammed up, we love dressing up, doing our makeup, making sure our nails are done. It's just in the Latin culture. And so, growing up, I always watched my mom, you know, she always had a manicure, she always had her hair done, she never left the house without like being fully glammed up and having her makeup done and she was always wearing heels. So I grew up around that and seeing all of that and so, at a very young age, I think I was probably like nine or ten, is when I started getting into makeup and nails and hair and skincare and all of the things. And so, I actually started off doing makeup. Um, I started doing makeup when I was in high school, and I would do my friends' like homecoming makeup and for proms. And I kind of became that go-to gal in my high school for, um, for makeup. And um, I really loved that and I loved the beauty industry and I loved the makeup industry Um, and then that's kind of what I wanted to do I wanted to be a makeup artist I got into bridal makeup also when I was in high school and I started doing weddings and um, that's kind of where I started my business too is uh, I would do photo shoots and weddings and prom and homecoming and stuff like that um, but then my senior year of high school, I discovered what an aesthetician was. And I just I fell in love with it. I thought it was so cool. And I loved that I could pursue makeup in the aesthetics industry as well as skincare because again, I grew up with acne. And so that's something that I really struggled with. And um, I started doing research on skincare ingredients and different products and pore cloggers and things like that when I was in high school as well. So I just I fell in love with it. And when I discovered the aesthetics industry, I decided to to do it because I could do both makeup and I could focus on the skincare aspect of it as well. So that's kind of how I got started. And I, I love it. Still, I've been doing it for like six years now from when I started doing makeup, and I still am so in love with the industry. And also your
0: you're really great with nails. Like you have a talent. You are really artistic. And I think that shines too with everything you do on social media. I can just tell you're a very creative and artistic person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that actually it gets hard being Mm -hmm. like being a creative because you feel like, um, and I'm sure other people will resonate with this is I cannot just do one thing. Like I same crazy (laughs) if I was just doing one thing like I just have so many different creative avenues and I love that because I can you know I can do one thing and I can be creative in that and I can do another thing and I can be creative in that um and so I also that's something I also really love about the aesthetics industry is you can do so much like you don't just go into aesthetics for just skincare like there are so many different things that you can do and so many ways to be creative and so many creative outlets and so that's what I love about the aesthetics industry and also social media because social media has been a creative outlet for me for 10 plus years. And so um, it's something that I just love. I I love doing it.
0: What was the first, can you remember like the first video or first (laughs) post you ever made when you were starting to dabble with social media, more so within your business?
1: So within my business, I remember I was in high school it was like my junior year of high school when I was doing everybody's makeup and I started taking videos and photos of everybody while I was doing their makeup and then before and afters and stuff like that and I was like oh my gosh this is so cool like I love that I get to capture these people and like the art that I'm creating on their face and in high school I was pretty introverted I I wasn't very outgoing or and I wasn't very confident in myself and so Something inside of me was just like, Hey, like make an Instagram for this. Like make an Instagram and start uploading all your makeup pictures and start uploading like pictures of yourself. And it took me forever. It took me months to finally make of that first post. But eventually I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. And so I made a separate Instagram account for all my makeup content and that's when I started posting for my business. Um and it reminds me of the very first time i dabbled with social media in general was on youtube when i was like 11 years old and i started getting into nails um i came home from school one day and i took my mom's camera and i recorded myself doing a little nail tutorial and i posted it on youtube and i think it got like 10 views or something and like two comments and one of the comments was like why don't you edit the video because i didn't know how to edit and so i just did the nail tutorial all in one clip um and the person was like, "Why don't you edit the video?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like they don't like it." And I think I ended up like promoting it or taking it down or something. But um, but yeah, I've always just loved social media, and those are two like huge core memories for me when it came to like posting content on social media in my business. So that's so brutal for the first comment. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh. Man, let a girl grow. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: Seriously. We all start with a a rough draft, you know. And mm-hmm. in terms of where you are now, you have a really significant audience on Instagram and TikTok. And I know you had this big kind of growth spurt with TikTok where you gained what was it, like, was it like 250,000 followers in two and a half weeks? That's insane. Mm -hmm. I've had like one viral video and gained like 5,000 followers, and I thought that was a big deal. But could you touch on... The TikTok growth because I think that's something, you know, a lot of SDS are on Instagram, and some of us have kind of made our way to TikTok. Um, for somebody who hasn't dabbled so much, or or maybe even somebody who's kind of tried but just hasn't seen that kind of reach or success, and is maybe feeling a little discouraged, is there anything you could share in regards to growing on TikTok?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I mean. Now I think TikTok is a little bit more widely accepted, but even just a couple of years ago, I feel like most people just refused to get on TikTok because they were like, Oh, it's just like an app for kids, like it's just silly dances and I know that because I was one of those people. Um, I think twenty twenty during lockdown was the very first time I got on TikTok and I downloaded it and I was like, All right, like we're in quarantine, I have nothing else to do, so I'm gonna get on here and just see what this app is all about. So I downloaded it and I remember filming a couple of videos and I posted them and I think one of them got like maybe 500 views or something something small like that. Um, and I eventually just gave up on it. I didn't really do much with it because I didn't see immediate growth and I was like, oh whatever, like I I don't care. Um, and then at 2021, in January, I really was just feeling like something was telling me to get on TikTok and post consistently. And I, I couldn't shake it. Like sometimes I just I, I tried to ignore the feeling for as long as I could. But something just kept telling me like, get on TikTok, get on TikTok, get on TikTok. So I made a new account. And I did a little bit of research on how the algorithm worked. And what I found was that the algorithm was very unique and it was very different than what we know as Instagram or YouTube or Facebook. And how the TikTok's algorithm works is it places you in a virtual pool of people on the app. So depending on what your interests are, they place you in a pool of people, whether you're posting content or not. Um, and you kind of exchange content with other creators or other users who are interested in that same thing so I was like okay I kind of have a general grasp of you know how the algorithm works and I got familiar with it and I told myself that I was going to post at least one video every single day for 30 days and I was like if I get something out of it I get something out of it if not at least I tried and I know that I gave it my all for at least a month so I started, I think, towards the end of January, and I started posting every single day for 30 days. And I would study the kind of videos that I posted and see which ones did well, which ones didn't. Um, I tested out different audios and trending sounds and captions and hashtags and all the things. And one day, I posted a video, and I put my phone down, and I went and did a service on a client. And then I picked up my phone after my service and my video was like blowing up. It had a couple hundred thousand views, uh, views. And I was like, oh my gosh, my video is blowing up. And so I made a video and I was like, when you post a video and you go do a service and then it starts blowing up. And then that video started blowing up. And so I was like, okay, how can I recreate this? And how can I make this happen again and again and again? And so I studied, again, the the... Uh, qualities of the videos that I was posting that were going viral and I just continued to recreate those and a snowball effect kind of happened and when one video was going viral I would immediately post another one that was like it and so that one would go viral and then another one go even more viral and within like two or two and a half weeks I had gained 260,000 followers which was insane like my life literally changed overnight um And yeah, it was just really, really exciting. So what I did was, again, TikTok categorizes you depending on what your interests are based on how you interact with content. So TikTok is very specific with how they track your interactions with a post. So when a video comes up on your for you page, if you watch it all the way through, and if you rewatch it, If you click on the comments and you spend a lot of time reading comments, or if you comment on that video, if you save it, if you like it, TikTok tracks all of that engagement. TikTok tracks all of the time you're spending on that post. So what they do is they kind of, you know, mark it down. They're like, okay, this person's interested in aesthetics content, for example. So then they'll send you more aesthetics content. And if you interact with that more, they're going to be like, okay, this person is clearly like in the aesthetics industry, or they're interested in this kind of content. So then your posts, what you start posting, they're going to send it to other people who have also interacted with aesthetics content. So what they do is they place all of the aesthetics people in kind of like one for you page or like its own little algorithm. Um, so... What you want to do in order to grow on TikTok pretty rapidly is interact with content that you want that's like similar to yours, Who whose creators like you want your content to be pushed out to. Um, so what I did, and the key is to do it before you start posting. That way, as soon as you start posting, TikTok automatically knows who to send it to. Because if you create a new account and you're not really scrolling or you're just kind of watching whatever... Um, then TikTok doesn't know who to send your content to. So they just kind of send it out to like a test group and see who's interested. And then depending on how that, Works and how that goes, then they'll send it to other people. I don't know if I'm making sense. I feel like I'm just. <laughs> does
0: because I'm thinking about my account. So I have my main TikTok, and that's the one I'm scrolling on. That's the one I'm I'm engaging with. And then mm-hmm. I have a separate TikTok that's like for my my product brand. And so I'm mm-hmm. not really on that page much. I because I go back to my SD Tessa and then occasionally I'll throw up a post on my uh, product page and it just never hits. And it is a smaller account. And I do think maybe it has something to do with TikTok recognizing like this is a brand, but at the same time, I'm not. It sounds like what you're saying is you have to, TikTok wants you engaged. They want you giving back just as Mm -hmm. much as you're putting the content out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I always people always ask me, do I make a new account? Can I use my personal one? And I always always suggest creating a brand new account because on your personal account, you're scrolling and you see a video of a dog that you think is cute and you're watching it and you're sitting there watching, laughing, you might scroll through the comments, you might like it. And so TikTok checks that kind of video and they're like, "Okay, this person likes dogs." So then they're going to send you more dog content. Or if you're watching like funny videos and you like them, then they're going to send you more funny video content. Or if you're into fashion or outfits or get ready with me's or whatever it is that you're watching and that you're interacting with on your For You page, TikTok takes note of every single one of those. So if you're only posting a content, but you're watching all these different kinds of videos, then TikTok doesn't recognize that you're interested only in aesthetics content. So when you do post, they send your posts to the for you pages of people who are interested in all kinds of things rather than just aesthetics. So I always recommend starting a brand new account. And what I have my students do usually is come up with three to four um, keywords that describe your kind of content. So for example, if you're an esthetician doing skincare, then you could use, for example, number one keyword, esthetician, number two, skincare, number three, Acne. And just come up with a few words. And then you type them into the search box on TikTok. And whatever videos come up under that hashtag, you want to interact with them. So go through, watch them, you can like them, you can comment on them. Obviously, you want your engagement to be genuine and not just spamming a bunch of people. But Doing that is going to train TikTok and it's going to tell them, okay, this is the kind of content that I'm interested in and the kind of content that I'm going to be posting. So TikTok says, okay, this person is going to be posting aesthetics content. So as soon as you make that first post on that new account, they're going to send it to people who are already interested in aesthetics content rather than testing it with a bunch of people who are interested in a bunch of things. So you kind of want to train the algorithm before you start posting, and that accelerates your growth by a ton. That's really interesting.
0: And tell me if this is right or not, but I feel like we almost hear the opposite when it comes to Instagram. I feel like I keep hearing not to engage with other aesthetics account unless I want my following to be aestheticians and the risk there is kind of not getting your, your content um, shown to people who could be potential clients.
1: Yes, I've heard that as well um, because Instagram's following is kind of like a little mini algorithm. So the people who you are following is the kind of people who your content is going to be shown to. So that's why they say to interact with your ideal client rather than people who are in your Mm -hmm. same niche. I don't really focus too much on that on Instagram because there are tons of other ways to grow on Instagram rather than just who you're following. That takes a pretty small um, part in the way your algorithm works and your growth. So it's not as big of a deal on Instagram as it is on TikTok. I kind of just follow whoever I want. Um, But... Yeah, I wouldn't stress about it too much on the Instagram side as I would on TikTok. TikTok's algorithm is a little bit more um, sensitive to all of that. Um, and Instagram isn't, I wouldn't say it's as big of a deal as it is on TikTok. Okay. And
0: touching on Instagram, I know you have a guide and, and this is something you teach But when it comes to posting on Instagram, I feel like we're hearing a lot of things that, you know, video is the focus and then now it's carousels and, you know, graphics with words. Where do you kind of see Instagram going? And in your opinion, what do you think people should be focused on posting right
1: now? Sure. So I always say don't try to beat the algorithm because the algorithm changes i feel like every other day like it just a couple of months ago they were prioritizing reels and now they're saying that photos are coming back and i guarantee in a couple of months it's going to be something completely different so rather than trying to beat the algorithm i always recommend just having a really strong social media strategy that's going to bring you your ideal clientele rather than constantly Spending time trying to beat the algorithm and learn the algorithm because that's just not sustainable and it's not a way to run a business. Like you can't run your business constantly studying the Instagram algorithm and depending on that to um, bring you your clientele into and to build your following. So um, there is a strategy that I um, always recommend people to use, and I teach this in my courses and I teach this with my private coaching. Um, and the number one thing that i recommend doing is knowing your audience intimately so knowing who you want to follow you and know who your ideal client is and you do this through market research um and market research just means studying your ideal client and just having a strong um representation of who your ideal client is Um, A lot of coaches and a lot of teachers have you literally like make a character and sit down and give them a name. So, you know, naming them Tessa. Okay, my ideal client's name is Tessa and she is interested in skincare and she likes going out to brunch with her friends. She's this age. She has a dog. She lives here. These are her interests and that gives you like a character. It gives you a real person, so then it makes it easier for you to market to them and um, creating content around them. But what I really love um, having my students do and what has become um, my go-to method of teaching them how to do market research is just asking questions. Asking questions to people who are already in your circle just makes it so much easier uh, for you to get a grasp on on what your client needs and what your client is interested in and how you can cater to them on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or Pinterest. And so no matter what social media platform you're on and no matter what is going on with the algorithm, because I feel like people just get so stressed out about, um, Oh my gosh, like what hashtag strategy should I use? Or, or should I be posting pictures or carousels or whatever? Um, and I used to be like that way too, until I kind of proved myself wrong. Um, a few months ago when reels were the strongest way to grow and like the number one thing that people were saying Instagram was prioritizing, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try something different and I'm just going to do carousels. I'm just going to focus on carousels do just that, um, And my carousels blew up. I mean, I had a lot of carousels that did really, really, really well, um, did better than some of my reels. And so, um, yeah. And so right now, It's photos that are being prioritized. I'm going to do other things just to see, you know, if if I'm right. And it's not really just the algorithm. But my guess is going to be that you absolutely can still grow no matter what Instagram is prioritizing or not. Um, And so... Yeah, that's my biggest tip is don't stress out about the algorithm. Don't try to beat it. Don't try to have the right hashtags or the right kind of content. As long as your content is good and as long as it's catering to your ideal audience, Mm -hmm. your business is going to grow, your social media is going to grow, and your profit is going to grow. I love that, and it makes me feel better because (laughs) I (laughs) – I
0: don't know if this is the Sagittarius in me, but I can't do, <laughs> when I hear something is the way to do it or what you're supposed to be doing on Instagram, I can't. I just have to I have to kind of do my own thing. And even if that means like shooting in the dark sometimes, mm-hmm. but I feel like something that works for me is, is thinking of those questions I'm hearing a lot and kind of just keeping my ears open and being attuned to the conversations I'm hearing, whether it's like a question a client mm-hmm. asks or something, almost like a thread I keep seeing pop up from if other estheticians are asking me a question repeatedly, yeah. I will kind of just mentally note that. But I did want to touch on the carousels a bit more because I I personally love those. I feel like it's an easy way for me to go to somebody's page and just... Almost hear their voice more and like hear their opinions. What do you mm-hmm. think kind of goes into a carousel post? Like, it probably seems very intuitive to an expert, but if somebody's never written one, do you have any tips there? Like, is there a hook you need to start with?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I want to touch on some of the questions that you should be asking, and then I'm going to Um, Kind of walk the listeners through how to turn that into content, whether it's carousels or reels or whatever. So, um, there are three people that you want to be asking questions to that is essential for your market research. Um, So, the number one person that you want to be asking questions to is your ideal client. So, those are people who aren't your clients yet, but you want them to be your clients. They might already be following you, they might be in your life, you might know them personally, they might be a friend of a friend. Um, But You want to connect with them and you want to be asking them, number one, what are your go-to resources for blank, whatever your specialty is? And what this is going to tell you is what people are or where people are getting their information from. So for example, if you were an acne expert, you can get on Instagram, do a poll or maybe even TikTok or some of your friends and say, hey, what are your go-to resources for learning about acne? Right now, most people will probably say like, oh, TikTok. Um, that's where I get all my information about acne or skincare. And so you as a provider or an acne specialist can go on TikTok and scroll and look up acne videos or look up skincare videos and see what is trending, see what's viral, see what people are using, and then you can turn around and create content with that. So for example, if um, you Ask someone, "Hey, what's your go-to resource for learning about um, TikTok?" And then they're like, "Oh, or not TikTok, sorry, acne." And they're like TikTok. So you go on TikTok, you start scrolling, and then you see that survey is trending that everybody is using that. Or actually, a couple months ago, um, there was this trend going around of people using Dial soap as their face wash. Um, and so you might go on there and you might see that video, and you're like, "Okay, people are using Dial soap, so I'm going to turn that into content." So then you can go on Instagram and you can create a carousel and say, um, you know, viral TikTok trends that aren't so great for your skin. And then you can turn that question into a piece of content. And you, again, you can make that into a reel or a carousel and you can have the hook be, you know, why this viral trend is actually not good for your skin or by, why this viral trend isn't actually going to treat your acne. And then you can use your expertise and explain that in the next few slides on why it's not. Um, Number one, it educates your ideal client. Um, Number two, it positions you as an expert because you're teaching them why your way is better or in your expertise or in your opinion, why that's not going to work for their skin long term. Um. And then it also catches their attention because if it's something that's trending and they're interested in it, they're going to want to see it. And they're like, oh my gosh, this person is saying the opposite of what this trend is saying. I'm going to look at their carousel or I'm going to watch their reel. Um, Another question that's really important to ask your ideal clients is who are your favorite people to follow for blank? So again, it's similar. Um, So who are your favorite people to follow for skincare advice, right? Someone might say, oh, this influencer. So then you can go onto the influencer's page and see what they're saying, you know, who may not be a skincare expert. They might just, you know, be an influencer just using whatever works for them. And you can go on their page and see what they're using. And then again, turn that into content or just have an idea of what um, what's feeding your ideal clients. And then again, turn that into content. Um, another person you should be asking questions to is yourself. So one important question you should ask yourself is, are my followers my target audience? Um, And this goes hand in hand with building your clientele as well. And also making sure that your content does well. Because if your ideal audience isn't following you, then your content isn't going to do well. So you want to look at your insights. You want to look at your analytics and see, okay, is my ideal content, um, is my ideal client seeing my content and is it actually going to help the right people Are the right people following me and if not what am i doing wrong to be attracting the wrong kinds of people um for example my ideal client and my ideal audience is women ages 20 to 35 who are estheticians so i can go in my insights see okay the majority of people following me are women i think mine's like 98 percent women so okay i'm doing a good job there the majority of people following me are in between 20, 35. So I'm doing a good job there. Um, and then I, every once in a while, every couple of months, I do a little check on my Instagram polls and I say, hey, are you an esthetician? Vote yes or no. And that kind of gives me an idea of who's watching my stuff and who follows me. So um, since the main thing that I do is educating other estheticians, then I'm good to go because my ideal, um, audience is following me. So when I post something on marketing or aesthetics, I know it's going to do well because my ideal audience is following me and it's exactly who I want to target. Um, And then another question that you can ask yourself is what's the key differentiator between me and my competition? So for example, if you are an acne specialist, then you can check and see if there are other acne specialists in your town or in your area that your ideal clients could go to. And you could say, okay, what am I doing that they're not doing or what are they doing that I'm not doing? And that doesn't mean copy them or do exactly what they're doing. But you can kind of see um, what character- characteristics um, separate you from your social media and their social media and just kind of compare. Not comparing as in, you know, making yourself not feel great, but, you know, just in the market research um, aspect. Um, And then another really important person that you should be asking questions to are your current clients. So people who you are already servicing, who are already on your books, who you are already seeing. Um, One of the questions you should be asking them is, what were you first struggling when you found me? Um, Because oftentimes what they think they're struggling isn't what they're actually struggling with. And you help them kind of clarify that. But, you know, someone might say, oh, I have very, very, very sensitive skin. And once they come in to see you, you might be like, you don't have sensitive skin, you have sensitized skin. Um, Or someone might say, oh, I have these like little black dots on my nose that like don't go away. And I try to scrub them off if they don't go away. And you might tell them those aren't just little black dots. This is what they are. And this is how you can treat them. But asking this question gives you a lot of insight on what people think that they're struggling with. And they give you their language. so. Um, For example, the black dots um, example, you can turn around and make that into content, and you can insert a little picture of blackheads on uh, your carousel and say, Hey, are you struggling with these little black dots on your nose? Well, this is what they are. This is how I can help you get rid of them. And these are the products that you can use. And so that, again, positions you as an expert and it targets people who are struggling with those things that you can help them with, which is, again, your ideal client. And so asking your current clients this is such an easy way to do market research because they're already there and you're already helping them and they're telling you okay this is what i was struggling with when i was looking for you um another question you can ask them is what were you looking for um and you know they might tell you oh i was looking for um an acne specialist and you're like okay well people know what an acne specialist is so i can market myself that way or if they're saying oh i was looking for a skin therapist you can say okay i can use that That word somewhere in my social media, somewhere in my marketing, so more people know that I'm who they're looking for. So, just kind of using their language and seeing what they're looking for and what they're saying and the exact words that they're using and turning around and using that um, in your social media content. And then the final question that you should be asking your current clients is what other people did you consider hiring, if any? And again, that'll give you a little bit of insight into who might be your direct competition. and who, you know, people are considering hiring you um, other, than, other than you. So all of those questions are going to give you a little bit of insight into what your clients are looking for and what your audience is looking for. And again, that's going to be really, really, really helpful when you turn around and make content. And it's going to help you create content that um, is strategic and it's going to appeal to your ideal client. And it's going to help you build your clientele, build your business, build your social media. Um, So those are some pretty easy questions that I always recommend starting with when, uh, when you go to create content and creating these hooks. Okay, I love that, Ashley. That's so helpful.
0: And as a little, I guess, offshoot of that, since we were talking about, you know, kind of using your clients to find the content that's relevant, what about how do you... Convert people who are watching your stuff into clientele. And just to give a little bit more explanation, I feel like this is something estheticians run into that's a little bit different from, you know, a, a blogger that is just freely sharing information. We are businesses. Do you think like there's an extent where a business owner? I don't want to say gatekeeps, but doesn't share absolutely everything or uses their content in a way where they can really strongly promote products and services and not just for example do a point a, a post that points people watching to Amazon or, you know, other retailers where they can purchase products. Do you have any tips as far as like how can estheticians leverage their existing audience
1: and convert them into clients? Yeah. So the number one thing you need to make sure you're doing is having a clear offer and making it clear how it'll help them. And a phrase that I always like to use is don't just tell people about your offer, sell with transformation. Um, so for example, and I love using, um, face reality as an example, because I feel like a lot of estheticians use that, um, and it's an easy example to use. So rather than saying, for example, um, Hey, these ingredients are good for acne and these ingredients are going to help you with your acne and just making that the post, you can follow up and saying, um, I have this acne bootcamp that can clear your skin in 12 weeks or however long. Um, and that's a template that I really like to use in my social media marketing and that I like to give to my students as well. So how I and then insert the accomplishment, so cleared this client's skin, for example, in blank time frame. So I think it's like twelve weeks, is it right? for face reality or at minimum twelve weeks um, and without objection. so without going on Acutane. Um, So giving people, the clear offer so I have this acne boot camp that you can participate in and you can be a part of. Um, and it'll help you clear your skin so you're using their you're targeting their pain point you're showing them how you can help them um, without getting on medication for acne if that's not what you're wanting to do so really stating and offer whatever your service is whether it's a facial or if you're doing waxing or if you're doing the acne boot camp or whatever service you're offering you want to make that very clear so not just educating them on acne but educating how your service can help them and again selling with transformation after however long then you'll start to see results or after um, three months, you'll see a significant difference in your skin, or, you know, whatever your time frame is, and whatever results you can give them, um, using that transformation and selling that transformation. So for example, I see a lot of estheticians and myself included, when I was first starting out is I would market um, my services themselves and what was included in those services. So I would say, hey, you should book this facial. Um, it comes with a double crumb, Um, It comes with a scrub and a mask and moisturizer. That does not sound appealing to anybody. <laughs> so instead of saying that, you could say, hey, when you come in, um, my bed is made out of clouds. Like you're going to lay down and you're going to feel like you're floating on a cloud. Like it's so soft and so comfortable. And Um, I'm going to use some really luxurious products on you that are going to hydrate your skin. They're going to help exfoliate your skin. So your skin's going to feel so much softer and smoother and more glowy by the end of the service. You're also going to get an amazing neck and shoulder massage. It's literally going to put you to sleep and you're going to be snoring. Um, And then you're going to get up from your facial and your skin is going to be so soft and glowy that your man is going to be able to see his reflection on your forehead. And so... That sounds a little bit more appealing than just saying, hey, this comes with a cleanser, a scrub, and a moisturizer. So really selling with that transformation and what they're going to experience and the change that they're going to experience after getting that service with you. So really make sure that you're selling the results and the transformation rather than selling what's including or what's included in your service or just educating them on skin or just acne because if you just educate them but you don't sell they're going to turn to google or tiktok and they're going to buy whatever their influencer is suggesting so you need to remember that you're a business you're not just you know your client's friend just educating and then just helping them which yes you can be their friend and you can help them but you're also a business so you cannot forget to also sell as well as educate on your social media
0: And I think something you also alluded to was the fact that our clients are not in this world of aesthetics. Sometimes I think we can phrase, like, overcomplicate the phrasing or sell Mm -hmm. things in the way that we view it as the professional, but that may not necessarily resonate with clients. I feel like. My example, my website is a good example of this because it's too much information. I keep hearing feedback that clients are confused. They don't know what service to fix. So this is something I am now working on really simplifying the menu because it's just like so many words, so much explanation, mm-hmm. and they just want to know that they're going to have guidance in clearing their skin and see results.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as estheticians statisticians and as professionals, we, we love the science and, and we geek out over all the information and the ingredients. And we love to overcomplicate it because we think we're helping our clients that way. But really, we're just making it a lot more difficult for them uh, to decide to purchase with us or book a service or get retail because we're just making it so complicated and using our language that they're like, uh, this is too overwhelming. Like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do anything. So that's also such an important part of doing that market research and seeing what words they're using and including that in your marketing. Again, whether it's on your social media or your website and just making it as easy as possible for them to understand. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. I was explaining the acne process to a client last week, and I just saw her eyes glaze over, and just immediately (laughs) was like, "She does not care." Why? Why am I Mm -hmm. over-explaining here? (laughs) Um, But you know, you learn. Um, What about anything else you could think of, Ashley, when it comes to looking at other estheticians' pages? If you were to kind of adjust things or notice something you think is maybe a mistake or just could be done better or something that's like missing in somebody's bio? Is there anything that comes to mind that's important
1: we should be doing? So when it comes to taking inspiration or looking at other people's pages, I think there's a very fine line between just taking inspiration and trying to better yourself and then copying someone. Um, And as someone with a platform, I'm sure you get it. Um, I actually just recently had a um, pretty large brand take one of my posts and they just copied it word for word and they put it on their page. And um, it's just really frustrating when that happens as a creator. And then also as a business, it's not smart to do that because you're stealing someone else's content strategy and then using it as your own, but that's not always going to work on your page. Like it's working on theirs. So our biggest tip. With when it comes to that, is looking at their pages and just see what you love about their pages. So, for example, if you follow somebody and um, they, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite humans is Kili Aesthetics, if anybody's familiar with her. Um, she is really good, and she's actually one of my students. She's really good about um, engaging with her followers and engaging with her audience um, on a more personal level through her stories. So, She'll get on there and she'll do, okay, unpopular opinions, go. And so she has tons of people like sharing their unpopular opinions. That has nothing to do with aesthetics, but she's engaging with her followers and it helps her connect with them. So someone might go on her page and watch her stories and see that she's really good at engaging with people. And someone might take inspiration from that and then go on their own page and start doing maybe not unpopular opinions, but doing some, just having their own thing that they do with their followers. So um uh, this other esthetician that I follow, she does her fit checks every single Sunday. So every single Sunday, her and her husband and her dog, they get on Instagram stories and they do a fit check. And they're like, "Okay, Sunday fit check." So I, even I know every single Sunday she's going to be posting her outfit, and so I know her for that, and I like connect with her through that. So and that goes for anything you were posting, not just those personal aspects of your brand and your social media. Um, just. When you're looking at someone's page, see what you love about their page and see what really catches your eye and try to recreate that, but in your own way, obviously don't do, you know, the exact same thing that they're doing, um, but something that maybe catches your eye, maybe like an editing style. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. I'm going to put my own twist to whatever they're doing. Or, you know, if they make really, really pretty and like intricate um, carousels, and I'd be like, okay, that's really cool. I'm going to make that my own. Um, on my own page, because that caught my my eye, so it might catch other people's eye um, on my page. So just taking inspiration from things that catch your eye and that really interest you, um, and, you know, flipping them and making them your own and recreating them on your own page. Um, I think that's um, probably the smartest way to take inspiration from other people rather than just recreating the exact same thing that they're doing on their page.
0: Totally. And I'm so sorry that happened to you with with the big brand. I know how that feels. And, yeah. and it's just, it's so tough. And I recently did an episode on copyright infringement and what this means. And yeah, it's it's also, I think, just such a shame because it's not going to grow your audience in any type mm-hmm. of way, it's like you can do that, and you can kind of try to emulate something that's working. But the audience, I feel like, is just so incredibly perceptive these days. They know when something's not authentic. They know when they've seen it before. Yep. They know when it's a second-rate version. Like your example of um, the the fit check or these little things. Like you can do that, but the sauce just doesn't taste the same when it's duplicated. It doesn't have that edge. And I feel like it's almost shooting yourself in the foot because you have something unique to offer. And I think that's one of the best things like estheticians or anyone on social media can do is tap into that their unique personality. And I know we say that all the time, but it really is the key. When you think of, you know, people you follow on social media that you love, you love them because they're themselves and they show up as
1: themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, the sauce doesn't taste the same. Like if you are copying someone nine times out of 10, your content is not or that thing that you copied isn't going to be as good as theirs. So if there's someone who's following you and you're just recreating someone else's content, like they're you're just copying all their stuff, they're going to rather yeah. go follow the OG because theirs is going to mm-hmm. be better rather than following you because they're like, okay, this is just like a, a dupe. <laughs> it's just a, it's a, copycat, <laughs> a copycat version of this other person and it's not as good. So I'm just going to go follow the original instead. So find that little something that people know you by and it can be something so simple like I said like little foot checks that you do or um for example my thing people know me as like loving Chick-fil-A lemonade like one day I just decided to post it and then every single time after that I started posting every single time and now people um go to Chick-fil-A and that get lemonade they take a picture of it and they tag me in their stories because everybody knows me by loving trick fil a lemonade so it could be the smallest little things that set you apart and make you unique um just make sure that it's you and like you said people can see right through it when it's not authentic so make sure it's something that you genuinely love or that you genuinely just come up with on your own and it's going to really help set you apart from everybody else
0: Yes. Like I'm thinking of Alex Earl, how she does her get ready with me's and now Mm -hmm. get ready with me's are the thing on TikTok, but it's like hers works because it's true to her. It's in the moment she's Mm -hmm. going somewhere and there's like an energy about her her doing that and just being totally herself in front of the camera and getting ready with you as if it were a friend, but it's like, it's her personality. It's not the get ready with me, which is what I think people can't always understand. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And she, I think she's such a good example. I mean, she literally, it seems like blew up overnight and she didn't, like she has been doing these get ready with me's for years. Um, Like it, she's been working towards this but this was kind of like her um her growth spurt um as one can say and yeah it's really just it's her personality it's her style of video it's like you're watching it and you feel like you're on facetime with her and like you're you're there with her getting ready with her and that's what makes her unique um and like you said it's like that energy that she brings to her videos and that's why she blew up so fast and now of course everybody and their mother is doing get ready with me's and yes, you might, you know, like someone else who's doing it, but it's never gonna be the same as her because again, she's she's being very unique with the kind of content that she's putting out and that's truly what, what made her blow up so fast. Um, on TikTok over the last like six months to a year. So um, yeah, really just finding that thing that is you and of course adding your 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 special little special little secret sauce to it that only you do and nobody nobody else recreates. Yes, totally. Okay.
0: Wrapping up here, Ashley, I did want to make sure I asked you this because I get this question all the time. You do a lot of different content planning and different kinds of posts. Do you use any apps? Do you schedule content? Is there anything anything else you use to kind of help you structure your content
1: yeah uh, sure so for my content strategy i typically start the process at the beginning of the month so at the beginning of the month i sit down and i say okay do i have any important launches or is there something that i really want to focus on selling this month or is there something that i really want to educate my audience on this month and i kind of write that um topic down and i'm like all right i'm going to ps- focus on my content around this. And then I do um, subtopics again, depending on my market research. And that's how I come up with the actual content um, that I'm doing. And then I create my content one week at a time. So I have my schedule day, typically at the beginning of the week. So let's say like on a Monday, I'll sit down and I will take all those topics from my market research and I will create those into content. So I'll make my reels or my carousels or my posts And then I use an app called Planoly. So it's plan, P-L-A-N-O-L-Y. And the app is really cool because you can schedule your posts, you can add your captions, and even, I mean, it connects to your Instagram and it pulls your insights from Instagram and it tells you, okay, these are the best times to post. This is the best day to post. And so it can help you use um it helps you simplify um your insights and helps you use them when when you're scheduling your content so once a week i'll sit down create all my content and then i upload it to planally and then i schedule it all on there so during the week i don't have to worry about posting my content or i'm not stressing like oh my gosh i haven't posted today and then i kind of scramble to make something really quick and to post it so i love planally it keeps me really organized and again i love how it pulls your analytics and your insights from your instagram account and it helps you determine like, okay, this is the best time to post. Um, And these are the posts that are doing the best on your account. Um, And then it also gives you um, kind of like content ideas throughout the calendar. So for example, it like lists all the little days, like for example, donut day, or pizza day, or aesthetics day, and it gives you On every single day. So you open up the calendar and you click on the day and it tells you, okay, this is today's donut day or whatever. And then you could go and create a donut post. It's related to skincare. I don't know. Um, but I love that it gives you little content ideas, uh, in the app as well. So Planoly is my favorite. I know sometimes, um, I've heard of like later. Um, I know a lot of people use that one as well, but. Just from what I've tried and from all the features, I really love using Planoly when it comes to scheduling all my content.
0: If I was your student and I told you I don't plan any content, I don't look at my insights, I don't schedule anything, um, yeah, I just don't do anything logistical or anything like that, what would you say to me?
1: <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I would ask you, be do you stress out sometimes during the week and like scramble to like create something and post it because you haven't posted in a few days? I feel like I'm, I,
0: no, I, I only post when it, when I like have an idea and that's probably not mm-hmm. great, right?
1: I would say so. There's two sides to that. Um, the first side is that's fine because you'd never want to pressure yourself to create something and post it just because you feel like you have to. But on the opposite side, your business and regardless of like whether you want to or not, you have to be consistent in your marketing. Um, I have always been that way too like if I if I just don't have the inspiration like I just I can't like I don't I don't want to just put something together so something that I started doing is brain dumping because I don't know about you and it probably is like that since you're also a creative but my my best ideas come to me at the most random times not when I'm sitting down to create content like I will be on the stair stepper at the gym and then I'm like oh my gosh like this caption would be really good for a piece of content Um, So what I started doing is I write down the exact idea. And if I have like if in my brain, I can see like the little bullet points or like a design for the content or whatever, I write that down in my notes app, like very, very detailed. But I don't always create it in that moment because I can't just like stop working out at the gym and like sit in the corner and create my content. So I brain dump whenever I have a really good idea, I write it down in my notes app. That way, when I sit down on Mondays to create all my content, I have all of my ideas right there. So it makes it easier to batch all of that content. Because just like you, if I sit down on a random Monday and I force myself to come up with these ideas, I'm like, I I can't. Like, my brain just is not there right now. Um, And one of the most important aspects of, you know, building your business and marketing is being consistent. So, you know, if your clients see you posting, like, every once in a while just whenever you feel like it like your growth is going to be a lot slower than it would be if you're consistent so that's my biggest tip um not just you know for your own sake and your own mental health and not having to stress out about um posting or just scurrying to post whatever just creating content that maybe isn't as great of quality um and then also in the marketing aspect just making sure you're being consistent and like growing your business um, I always suggest, you know, planning out, even if you're not, you know, being super um, detailed, like creating all of your content and like your captions and your hashtag, if you use hashtags and all of that, you don't necessarily have to do it that way, but at least having a rough plan of, you know, what you want to market that week or what you want to post. So, um, obviously, always do whatever works best for you. If, you know, scheduling all your content all at once doesn't work for you, then don't. whatever works for you. But um, I always suggest, you know, trying to have at least like a general idea of what you want to um, use in your content marketing that week or that month. Um, And I think that helps a lot with uh, your consistency, um, your marketing on social media, and obviously also the quality of it. But
0: no, I love that. And I think the Brain dumping, I think you called it, is a really good idea for people that can kind of relate with what I'm saying. Like, you're not, I'm not, I've never been a big planner kind of person. I'll either post like three times in a day or nothing Mm -hmm. for four days, but that's probably not great for my results. And I can kind of equate it to, I'm tracking macros now with my fitness progress, and it was something I always resisted because I was just like, ah, I just like to be, you know, in the moment, and, you know, it's like that's fine, but when you get to a certain point where you want to see a result and you're kind of just stagnant in your progress, that success needs to be Mm -hmm. measured, so I hear what you're saying. And now that's something I'm doing. And it, it doesn't feel restrictive. It's just I need to know where I'm at in order to reach mm-hmm. certain goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I used to do that too. And I, you know, would force myself to sit down. And I was like, all right, no matter how you're feeling, or if you have any ideas, or if you don't, you're going to create five posts for the week right now. And they would never be you know, to the quality that I wanted them to be, and they didn't always perform like I wanted them to because it wasn't um I was just creating them because I felt like I had to and um I'll actually <laughs> pull up my notes app so you you can see my little brain dumping, but um, so this is the little note that I have, and I literally just write down all the ideas that just come up in my brain. And sometimes it's literally like, um, like right here, I have things I wish I knew when I was building my clientele. And I just, I think that I thought of when I was at the gym um, a couple days ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's gonna be a really good post. So I wrote it down. And now when I sit down to create content later, I'm like, okay, that's like a good post that I can create. And I can turn that into a reel and I can make that into a carousel. Um, same thing when I'm coming up with uh, like, Uh, classes or webinars that I'm going to host for my students or um, workbooks that I'm going to create for my students. I immediately, as soon as I come up with the idea, I write it down and then I never delete them because then I can come back on here and ideas that I wrote down back in July, I can reuse that for another piece of content today because it's been months, but the idea is right there and I can recreate that. And my brain is going to come up with even more ideas than what I came up with back in July. So just have a brain dump notebook or a note in your phone or somewhere where you can write down all these ideas and go back to reference um, that little resource uh, when it comes to creating your content. Amazing
0: tip, Ashley. You are incredible. Can you tell us where we can find you on social media? Tell us a little bit about your guides and just plug yourself.
1: Yeah, so you can find me at Skin by Ashley um, with two Ys with the Ashley, um, both on Instagram and TikTok. I do a lot of educational content on there. So if this podcast was helpful, um, go check out my social media. I do a lot of um, marketing education for estheticians on there. Um, and I do have a few guides and resources if anyone needs more help with their marketing or building their clientele and their social media. Um, I do have a free resource right now um called Building Your Clientele. It's a free download on my website, so you can just go grab it for free. It has a couple of tips on there um that you can use when it comes to building your clientele. Um, I also right now have a masterclass out. It's called Business Accelerator Masterclass. So it kind of touches on um, market research, it goes a little bit more in depth on that and building your clientele and creating um, social media content. I also give a lot of content templates. So kind of what I was talking about earlier, um, the uh, template on like how I blank to blank to blank, I have a ton of um, resources like that on there to kind of like structure your content in a way that's going to attract your ideal clientele. Um, And then I also have a little book that I um, released last year. It's called The Social Playbook. um, And it's a really good resource if you're wanting to um, just expand your knowledge on branding, social media, and then building your clientele as well. So those are a couple of resources that I have um, all on my website. um, And then they're all linked on my Instagram as well. And my Instagram is also a pretty good resource if you're needing help with any of this stuff
0: and i just have to add in all of ashley's resources are so not not that it's the main thing but they're so cute and enticing and fun to look at and engaging so it's it's not like it's like some <laughs> boring textbook they're really fun and and thank cute so i think you guys will enjoy browsing through those Thank you so much for joining us, Ashley. I'm so glad we got to finally formally Of course. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here. And like I said, it's kind of like a full circle moment for me because I've been watching you for like four years now and I get to be on the podcast now. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you so much for having me yay and please
0: come back I feel like we we could talk so much more so you're always welcome back and thank you for joining us thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you next week